My name is Pastor Stephanie, and I get to kick off, kick off this series called Home Run Life, and it's all about this analogy of baseball, but I have to preface a few things. I know this might surprise some of you, but I'm not a huge sports fan. I don't know a ton about sports. Uh, growing up, I didn't go out for a lot of sports. Uh, my parents made me try a few times, and so I did like Little League t-ball and then softball a few years. But the only reason I did it is because we got ice cream after every game. And so I loved going to the games, but I was terrible at sports. I still don't think I know all the rules to uh, softball or baseball. Um, but maybe that's why some of you came today, because if you didn't know, today is Ice Cream Sunday. I think we picked the best weather day to have ice cream. So uh, if you came today, you're in uh, for a nice treat. After today, you get ice cream on your way out, and I hope that you uh, take that, have a conversation, um, connect with someone on your way out, and share ice cream together in 35-degree weather. Um, but for me, we get to dive into this series all about an analogy of baseball. And I had to learn a few things about baseball as I was preparing for this series. Um, in fact, I have some people that are trying to help me and coach me with the rules and the terminology. And um, in these conversations this week with family members about sports, um, I was talking about baseball and I said, yeah, that ref made a really good call. And they just glared at me. And they're like, you know that in baseball, they're not called refs, right? They're umps. I was like, oh, my bad. Um, but I am so good at knowing enough about sports to be dangerous. I won my own uh, family, uh, what is it, March Madness basketball bracket. Uh, I think I made all my picks in like 30 seconds, but I won it. I, I won. So I, uh, I think won some money maybe or win dinner. I don't remember what our family agreed on. Um, but sports have always created um, memories for all of us, whether we're huge sports fans or we're just so-so or we're fair weather fans. Um, and that's why I'm really excited to use this analogy um, for this entire series of A Home Run Life. And actually, this series, a fun fact, is based off a book that some of us as a leadership team read and were just really inspired by. And it's actually called Home Run. And it's by Kevin Myers and John Maxwell. So if you love this series, or as we're kicking this off, if you want to dive deeper, I would love for you to buy this book, download it on Audible. Um, it's just a beautiful illustration of how we can better live out God's game plan uh, for us in our lives. So you're going to get just a little bit of a snippet of this uh, masterpiece, and uh, we get to put it into our context here in our lives and our community. Um, another thing I want to preface is uh, we only get a short time together on Sunday mornings. Uh, we get 20, 25 minutes. If Pastor Taylor is up here, you'll get like 30, 35 minutes with him. So today, I want you to continue the conversation beyond Sunday morning. So on your way out, on the back table where the giving bucket is, um, where there's more information about Infuse, I have a handout with some questions. And what I hope that you do is on your way out that you'll grab this and that this morning can spark some curiosity in your own life or in the other, in the lives around you, that you'll take this with you and you'll find one person, maybe you're in a small group, maybe you meet uh, with someone each week for coffee, maybe you have a coworker, um, and they're pretty high level questions, but I want us to dig a little bit deeper this week. So you have some homework, um, and I really just encourage you to grab this on your way out, and I'll be asking you some of these questions um, through this series this morning, um, and each week we'll have some takeaways and homework 
Uh, so you can kind of dive in deeper of what it means to run a home, home run life. Um, so ready, let's uh, play ball, right? That's what you say when you start something, right? Let's play ball, maybe, no, like this. Thumbs up. Okay, like this? Do you do this still? Okay. All right, we're going to jump in. All right, so my first question for you is, what is a home run life? What is a home run life for you? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever sat down with your significant other? Or have you ever sat down with your boss? Have you ever sat down with your kids and just outlined for you, what does your life look like? What do you want your life to be? Where do you want to go? And I think one of the first ones that we always think of or comes to mind when we write down how do we have a home run life or how do we hit it out of the park or what is it, hit it out of the field? Something park. Okay, good. I had it right. Um, Is we, we think of success, right? That's one of the first things that come to mind is we want to have a successful life. We want to take something and leave it better than when we started it. We want to be successful when it comes to our finances. We want to be successful when it comes to our relationships. And we want to aspire to do things well and do it with excellence. But see, the thing about success is it's kind of empty all by itself. If this is the only thing that defined a home run life for you, it's kind of empty because you don't have other people in your life. So some of you have said, hey, a home run life is not only success, but it's with someones. I want some people in my life. I want relationships in my life. And that's what it looks like to run a home run life and hit it out of the park. Because success means nothing. It's hollow when it's by itself. If you achieve something great, what do you want to go do? You want to go tell the people that you care about. You want to share that good news. You want to celebrate that with them. So you want someones. And some of you have a lot of someones. Some of you have a few someones that you're really close with. Your coworkers, your uh, colleagues, your boss, your friends, your family, your parents. Some of you have chosen or said, hey, to be um, successful in life and my home run life goal was to be in a committed relationship. I wanted to find a soulmate. I wanted to find a life partner. That's what I looked for when I was hoping to share my life with a someone. Some of you might say a home run life for me was I want to have kids or I want to foster kids or adopt kids. And I want to share that with them so that they can also then live out a home run life. Some of you may have not thought about this when you think about your home run life, but we often want self-respect. And it's kind of a weird one to put there on the list, but when we think about it, a lot of us want to live a life and leave a legacy. We want to be a person with utmost character. We want to be respected. We want to live a life of integrity. We want to do things well. We want to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and, and be okay with who we are and the decisions that we've made and be able to sleep at night. Because you have to live this whole home run life with you your entire life. So you better get along with you, right? And be at peace with who you are. The last one that I was contemplating when I was thinking about what makes a home run life is significance. 
Now these are great, I want to have success, I wanna share that success with someone, I wanna do that all being self-respected by others and myself, but I want it to mean something. I wanna have significance. I wanna live a life on purpose, with a purpose. I don't want just empty success. I want that to live beyond my life. That's a home run life. Now some of you, might have other things to add to this list. Some of you might say, hey, uh, maybe only a couple of these things might fit into what I see as a home run life for me. Maybe some of you have already done this exercise and you have a lot of goals, you have a lot of aspirations, and it goes much beyond this list. But for some of us, we're trying to piece it all together. We're stepping up to the home plate, trying to hit that ball, and we're not sure where to start. Or we've started something, but uh, we feel like you're striking out. Or we feel like, ah, I'm not sure I'm doing this with integrity. I'm stealing some bases here. I'm compromising things that I normally wouldn't compromise just so I can achieve success or obtain something. And what's really great is in this book, Home Run Life, Uh, It talks through the story, the Old Testament story of Joseph. And that's one of your challenges with your homework this week. uh, Because the story of Joseph is, it spans, uh, I think, about 13 chapters, 14 chapters in Genesis. And so your challenge this week, I'm going to highlight Joseph's life and his breakthroughs as he was trying to live a home run life. But one of your challenges this week is to read Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And really dive in to Joseph's life. Dive into those points of what he was trying to get at when he was saying, man, I want to live a home run life. So I'm going to give you a really fast, high-level overview of Joseph's life and how he was really trying to live in a way that he was hitting a home run. So here's the quick overview. When Joseph was 17, he had a dream. Some of you might remember this story from Sunday school or if you grew up in the church. He had a dream. He had a vision from God. And see, Joseph came from a very, very special, influential family. His father was Jacob. His grandfather was Isaac. His great-grandfather was Abraham. He was in the lineage of God's promises. And he had brothers in his family, but Joseph was his father's favorite. He was favored. And so he received a coat of many colors, and his brothers were jealous. They were jealous of him. The Bible says they hated him, and they would not even speak a kind word to him. They hated him so much, especially when Joseph told him what his dream was. His dream was that eventually all of his brothers would be bowing down before him. And if you shared that dream with someone else and saying, hey, you know what? In the future, God told me you're gonna be bowing down to me. I'm not sure how well we would even receive that in those moments. But that's what he told them. That's what he shared with them because that was the vision God had given him. And so they were angry. And then he had another vision that he said, even the stars and the moon and the skies, they will bow down. And so they plotted to throw him in a pit. And they did that. They, pit, they threw him in a pit. They brought back the coat. They put animal's blood on it. They told their fa- his father that he had been killed, that he was no longer around, so sorry. 
And then they went back and they sold him. He sold him into slavery. And he, Joseph then at that time was headed to Egypt into slavery. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be sitting in that moment saying, God, how is this a home run life? You gave me a special vision, a special dream. But I'm not able to do anything with that. How, how are my brothers bowing down to me in this moment when I'm heading into to slavery? And maybe that's some of you. Maybe you feel like, man, I've been doing the right things. I've been stepping up to home play, ready to hit it out of the park, but I'm striking out. I feel like I'm in a pit. I feel like I'm just not getting it right. I'm not connecting with the ball. I'm not connecting with really what is my purpose in life. But maybe in those moments, God was wanting to teach Joseph, wanting to mold him so that Joseph could live out his dream fully dependent on God, so that he could not be self-reliant, so that nothing in his power would make that dream possible, but that everything about that dream would be about God and making him known in that dream. And maybe that's where you're at. It's like, ah, I'm trying trying to live a home run life, but I just haven't figured out where to start or where I'm going. Where's my next space that I need to run to? So home plate, in our analogy, is that we have to start with dependence on God. Home plate, for those of you who don't know how baseball works, is where you start. That's where you hit the ball. And that's also where you have to end to score a point. That's what I found out. You have to make it all around four bases. Some of you are looking at this image. You're like, oh, Stephanie, that's not how the bases go. That's not where they sit. That's a diamond. That's not this like cone shaped. I know, I know. But with the graphic, we had to make it kind of round. So I know that the bases are more diamond shaped. But home plate starts with dependence on God connecting with him. And that's the journey that Joseph had to start on. Is there's nothing at this point, when I'm heading into slavery, there's nothing at this point. I can't rely on my family's name. I can't rely on the reputation that my father has. I can't rely on the fact that I'm my father's favorite. I can only rely on what I have in this moment. And so that started a 22-year journey in Joseph's life of saying, I have to win dependence on God. See, it's kind of backwards because a lot of us don't know how to sometimes grow up spiritually. And it's backwards because in life, we grow up moving from dependence to independence, right? We're born into the world and we fully rely on our parents to take care of us. We are completely dependent on other human beings around us, to care for us, to nurture us. But in fact, when it comes to your spiritual growth, it's the exact opposite. We have to move from independence, from being born and then sin entering into the picture and move into this restoration and this fullness of living for God, being fully dependent on God and not being self-reliant on our own strengths. So it's backwards for us because we're thinking, ah, we got to be independent. I got to have all the answers. I got to know all the things. I got to have my plan for my life all mapped out. But that's not where God wants us to start. 
says, I want you to come up to the plate and I want you to lay it at my feet and I want you to be fully dependent on me. The next base, first base, is that we have to win within. And if you continue the story of Joseph, he has some hard challenges when he goes into slavery. He uh, has some um, temptations in his life when he's serving in the house of Potiphar. And he had to battle with some tough character decisions. Was he going to live a life of character and integrity? Or was he going to compromise his values? And if you read the story, is he does the right thing, but it costs him. He gets thrown back into prison because he did the right thing. He gets accused, falsely accused, for doing something that he didn't do. But he had to realize that he had to win within. That he had to do the right thing even when no one was looking. Or it would cost him greatly. When you round first and go to second, Joseph had to realize that he had to win with others. In life, we have those someones around us. We have relationships. But sometimes we don't value those relationships like we should. And when we don't value those relationships like we should, we take advantage of people. We use people. One of the most redefining moments in um, Joseph's life is when God put him in a place where he was surrounded by people he once dismissed. And he was serving them. He had to learn that he needed to value others. That he needed to put others first. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're in places and you're surrounded by negative people or people that are putting you down or people that are triggering you or in relationships that are strained and you're really struggling on second base right now. How can I win with others? And each week in this series, we're going to dive more in specifically on each of the bases and how we can navigate that or correct that so we can continue to make a home run. See, in, or in Joseph's life, um, when he was on that journey, eventually his brothers would come. And they didn't recognize him, but his brothers came and they were at a point and they were asking him for food. And Joseph had a tough decision because he knew the, the evil that they had done to him the hurt that they had caused him. He had a choice in that moment when they were coming asking for food. He could have said, hey, I'm gonna execute you. He had risen to that much power, but he didn't. He executed mercy and grace to his own family, even though they had hurt him greatly. He was winning with others. Then the third base in Joseph's life as we continue the story is um, Pharaoh had a dream. And uh, in that dream, Pharaoh couldn't find anyone who could interpret that, that dream, that vision that God had given him. And so he was greatly distressed. And so he said, does anyone know how to interpret this vision? And they heard that there was this man named Joseph that might be able to interpret that vision. So they brought him up. And they said, hey, can you interpret this vision that Pharaoh has? Guess what he says? He says, no. 
I don't know about you, but if I got the opportunity to move from prison to palace, even if I didn't know how to interpret it, I'd be like, yes, yes, I can. Yes, I'll take that promotion. I'm going to figure out what that dream is, and I'm going to interpret it even if I did it because of the dark place that he was in. But he had won within, and he knew that he needed to win with others, and so he said, no, I can't interpret that dream but if it's God's will for me, I will. Because he had realized that he was only dependent to interpret that dream with God's help and God's dependence in his life. So he interpreted that dream, and the dream was that there was going to be seven years of feast and then seven years of famine to follow. And so not only did he then interpret that dream, but then he gave uh, a suggestion that maybe he should put someone in charge to manage that time of uh, a feast and put some aside so that they could live through the famine. So Pharaoh looks around and says, you know what? That's you. I'm going to put you, Joseph, in charge of that. And that's what he does. And you might say, wow, he's second in command. That's success. Man, I'm winning results. That's the home run life right there. He made it to third. But that's not all. Because the home run life is not just about results. It's about the significance of those results and what they produce and the legacy of God living through you and God living through Joseph, what that can produce as a result. That's the home run life. So what happened is Joseph does that and he single-handedly saved from famine his father, his brothers, his entire family, and the entire nation of Israel, whom our Messiah, Jesus Christ, came from. Because he learned that he needed to start at home plate and win dependence. That the results had no meaning if he wasn't doing it with a purpose, so that God could be known and be given the glory in that situation. Some of you today might be like, oh, this is, this is great. I kind of understand this pathway. I, I get this. Like, okay, we got to win dependence, win within, win with others, win results. Okay. But I'm stuck here. I, I, I'm not sure I quite am bought in. I might have been like hurt by the church. I'm not sure that God is, is really even real. I'm not even sure where my faith is. I want to tell you that that's what we're all about here. It's just exploring faith. We want to explore faith with you. You want to sit down and have those questions of curiosity. But you take the God out of it, you still have questions, right? You step up to the home plate and you're trying to figure out what you need to connect with. We've all been in those, those situations where you're like, why am I here? Where am I going? What is my life for? What's the purpose of my life? And so we're all looking for something greater to connect with. And I hope you realize that even if you're not quite there to say, hey, I'm fully committed to giving God my life, that in his love, he has an open invitation to you. That he wants to be that whom you connect with 
and build your dependence on. That he loves you so much that he created you and he wants to restore you so that you don't feel like you're striking out or you're having to steal bases, but that you can hit a home run. And maybe for some of you, you're like, Stephanie, this is really great. I've grown up in the church. You know, I've been a Christian my whole life. And you're on the opposite spectrum. And you're sitting here and like, I got this figured out. Like, yeah, I've learned the hard way. God's taught me some really hard lessons, just like Joseph, that I have to live a life fully dependent on him. Well, I want to ask you this. Do you know someone who isn't there yet? Who isn't running a home run life? Who's striking out? that you can sit down with, that you can mentor, that you can pour into and have these conversations and share the life and the story of Joseph or share your own personal journeys and stories of how you had to fully rely on God and what that means for how you've lived out your faith. So my question for you today is as you think about all the different bases and starting with home plate and building a dependence on God, and you're maybe trying to fit this analogy into some different spaces in your life, my question for you today is what areas in your life do you feel like you're striking out? And maybe during this whole series, you just pick one or two things that you feel like, ah, just not connecting with the ball here. I'm not connecting with a greater picture here. I'm not seeing the results I was hoping. Maybe there's a specific relationship. Maybe there's an area, area in your career. Maybe it's a relationship with your children. Maybe it's the balance between all of the things that are on your plate and you feel like you're always compromising your character to please other people. But during this whole series, I want you to be thinking about the areas of your life that you feel like you're striking out. And pick one or two and be thinking about each week as we dive into the different bases, how you can correct and make corrections so that when you step up to the plate in that area of your life, you're hitting a home run. But it's got to all start at home plate and in that home plate, depending on God. For some of us, we're trying to sit here and navigate the pressure that the world puts on us because if we look at the, the different plates, if you can go back to the previous slide, we, we're trying to figure out how the world tells us we have to run the bases. And the world will tell you, or the pressure of the world will tell you that you gotta connect with your purpose, connect with something greater or higher power, but you gotta go here. You gotta run the bases backwards because it's all about success. You gotta have results. It's about what do you achieve? What's your title? How much money do you have? When's the last time you got a promotion? What are the results? Our bosses are asking for our results. Our neighbors, our friends, they want you to achieve. You gotta achieve more. Okay, great, you achieve that, now go achieve that. Okay, you got that done, now go achieve that. And before you know it, you've run your entire race of your life and it's over. And the thing about running the bases backwards is when you run the bases backwards and you've put success first, is then you'll start cheating these other areas to get this, to stay on third. 
You'll say, ah, I can compromise that relationship. Ah, my family will be there. It's okay if I put in a couple more hours at work. They'll, they'll forgive me. Ah, it's okay if I don't reconcile that relationship. It's more important that I get to the top. Oh, and then I'll cheat within. I'll cheat my character of who I am. I won't live maybe a life uh, of integrity or, or I'll shift around some of my values or uh, I might tell a little lie there to kind of make me look better because I'm focused on winning results. And even there are times in our lives where we cheat God. And we say, ah, I don't got time for you this week. Ah, I'm not sure I can just really connect with you. Ah, you know, you didn't really show up in that way that I thought that you were going to show up or I wanted you to show up, God, or I was praying for that and you didn't show up the way I wanted you to. So ah, I'm just not sure this whole relationship with God thing is working out because I'm not seeing the results I want to see. And so when we do what the world pushes us to, when we put this first, when we put third base first, all the other bases, we cheat. And that's not a home run, right? You can't run a home run backwards, right? We haven't changed the rules lately. You gotta run this way. You gotta start at home plate. So today... Uh, and really throughout this whole series, we get to hear stories. And at Infuse, we are going to do a better job about sharing more and more stories and testimonies of people's life. And today I am so excited because you get to hear a story of someone named Al. And Al has been on a journey, a life journey, running the bases, living a home run life. And in that journey, uh, you're going to hear his story. He received a call from God into ministry. And for some of you, you're like, what does that mean? What does that mean? So he has had a call on his life. He said, God's called me to be in pastoral ministry. That's what I feel like God's purpose is for me in my life. And so that journey starts with receiving what we call is a local license. And today, we get to present Al with his local license. It's the first step. It's kind of like a driving permit when you are on your pathway to becoming a pastor. Some people will ask us um, when we introduce ourselves and say, hey, I'm a pastor. Like, how do you get to that? What's the process? So the process starts with a, a local license. And it, like I said, it's kind of like a, a driver's permit. You get to have someone in the seat, but you're uh, behind the wheel. And you get to have mentors pouring into you. You get to start the course of study. You get to discern exactly what God's call is on your life. And then from there, you get to um, interview to receive what's called your district license. And that's when you, um, when you go through that interview process can be called pastor. Um, and it's just a beautiful formulative time where you get to um, discover more about who you are and where God has called you to serve. Um, and through that full process, you um, arrive and become an ordained pastor at the end. And the process can take um, somewhere between four to ten years between all of the different steps and requirements of serving in ministry, going through the courses. Um, but I'm so excited that we get to present Al his first local license this morning and before we do that, you get to hear his story, his journey of running the bases and running towards living a home run life. So take a, take a watch. You hear the big stories, people coming to give their testimony at our church or something saying, 
you know, I was praying and God just spoke to me. You got to go and do this. I thought, I'd like that. That'd be great. That'd be awesome if I had that. It was hard not to worry. It was hard because I am at the edge of the beginning of my life. What do I do? Uh, where am I going to go? I, and I didn't want to go in the wrong direction. And so I thought, I don't get this. Why can't God just tell me? And so I was getting desperate. So I poured my heart out to God. I said, I'm just really frustrated about this. I really want to be able to do full-time ministry. I really want to do that, but I can't unless you call me. I can't unless I know this is your will. The thing is, is that I was open to God saying no. I was open to that. If he wanted to say, no, 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 I'd be okay with that. <laughs> so it was very frustrating because I was praying saying, I just need a yes. feeling like, once again, is there something wrong with me? Did I, did I mess something up? Am I a bad person? That God can't use me? I, you know, you go through the self-doubts. For probably six years, I was just struggling. I'm constantly back in my mind. What am I going to do? Really? What am I going to do? And that's the hardest part, waiting. You know, uh, it's just very frustrating. But then that's when I actually started looking for another career in IT then thing came up. And what happened was I learned about personal computers. So I uh, managed to convince my wife to buy this computer so I could try it. And I just connected with it. So at that point, I wanted to pursue it more and get more into uh, working with computers. And that's then when I went back to school and uh, went into computer programming and I thought, okay, this is the path God wants me on right now. I'm going to be happy in this. And I can find fulfillment in this because I can bring, God can bring himself into this situation that I'm in. There are people there that in every situation I was in, in my work, my job, my career, people wanting prayer, people wanting just somebody to talk to, people just simply wanting a, a kind face or a kind, you know, just some kindness in their life going through difficulties and challenges. And so it wasn't just simply me making sure computers run, it's me helping people. And I've realized since then that that is part of God building my character, part of Him building my faith, part of Him building my trust in Him, my obedience to Him, and waiting for His time. Uh, those are really hard, slow lessons. They come with frustrations, but they come with a lot of victories too. A lot of times when I realized when I was helping people, I'd walk away from training class and go, well, it turned out really well. And I just sense God saying, yeah, it did. So I recently retired, recently about a year and a half ago, I retired from uh, my IT career. Um, and I was looking for things, kind of things to do, you know, something to pass the time and I was continuing to be involved in the church. Pastor Taylor came 
along and start talking about being able to be on the communication team as the team that uh, does teaching, preaching. And I said, I don't know, I gotta pray about that. And that, funny enough, is when I felt God saying, now's the time. Now you can step up and you can do this. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because God has been preparing me all these years and I just wasn't ready if I have no clue what. But the good thing is I don't need all the details. I just need to know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. So now I'm pursuing my minister license. I'm going back to school so I can eventually become ordained. Uh, and it's now playing out the way God wanted it to. And it was just a journey for me that I had to take and I had to be patient with what God was working in my life and trusting. Just trusting. And that's, I mean, it's really difficult. But when you don't give up on God, it is worth it. He reveals new things to you. He talks to you in ways that maybe won't be a call, but he talks to you in ways that encourages you. Alan, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not making big mistakes here. You're fine. We're good. Keep on the path. Thanks, Al. I'm going to invite Al to come and join me on stage as we get to um, acknowledge this huge step in his life and celebrate uh, this journey. So let me introduce to you Al. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for sharing your story and just really running the basis of, of life. Um, and we're glad and excited for this journey ahead. And so with that, I'm going to present to you the local license which is granted by our church leadership upon recommendation of the pastoral team and requires yearly renewal. And it marks the beginning of a process um, by which the church will observe and affirm the call of God that he has placed on your life for pastoral ministry. It also is a time for you to discern and explore your call specifically through the course of study, through service to the church, teaching, leading, and growing. As Paul said in Romans chapter 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you, Alan, accept your responsibilities to serve God's church as a follower of Jesus, to love as Jesus loves, to learn, grow, and seek God's will in your life and ministry? If so, say, I do. I do. Thank you for accepting God's call. And as a church, we look forward to walking alongside of you and exploring how you get to live that out. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we gather here together. Uh, we gather to acknowledge and affirm the call that you have in Al's life. We are grateful that you gave him that call, that you were able to journey with him through those bases of life. We thank you that he's called not to our church, but to your church, to be a shepherd to the flock, to care for them, to nurture them, to speak truth to them, to run after the lost sheep that might go astray. May he walk faithfully and serve you through his ministry. 
I pray specifically for his family and for his wife, Deb, that together they can journey through this call and service together, that they can live a life fully dependent on you and nothing else. May we as a church encourage them, support them, pour into them, spur them on in all that he does and through this journey. I thank you for his willingness to share his story. And I pray that his story might encourage some of us sitting here today. Some of us who might feel like we're not running the bases the right way. We've striked out. Or we're stealing a base and it doesn't feel quite right. Or we've fallen in a pit. I pray that this story, that this message could be of encouragement that hey, there's second chances with you that you wanna give us a life that's home run worthy, that you wanna give us a second chance to step up to the plate, but that we have to acknowledge that it starts with a dependence on you. As you shared with the disciples years ago, you said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me. And that's what we wanna do today. We want to be so connected to you that we bear fruit, not for our own success and glory, but that we bear fruit so that you may be known through us to a hurt and broken world. Heavenly Father, give us that strength to come back to you, to lean on to you so that we may live home run life in your love and in your mercy and in your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.